If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Ryan Yankee or Judelicium. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> well, I guess both. It's whatever one you want to call me. And Judelicium. There you go. <laughs> okay, that's a better way to put it. You're right. <laughs> He's got split personalities, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> eh, more than two. <laughs> um. So yeah, another night, um, another kind of disappointing loss for the Cavs. Um, Cavs have lost what three of their last four? That's for sure. And um, yeah, it's it's been a rough week. I mean, we saw back to backs against Minnesota. The first game, I I wouldn't be remiss to, or I wouldn't be underselling it to call it one of the worst losses of the season and then the second game they came back and won and then uh we saw a clippers game where they played pretty well but or no no that one they got killed uh because they they played well for a minute didn't they yeah they played well for a minute but the problem is, is they literally only shot like nine threes in the game and the Clippers shot 42 and well, that's just unsustainable. Yeah. They just can't yeah. do that. No, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, and utterly, you know, they were running an off. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, it's, it was an old offense compared to what I watched as a kid in like the late eighties and early nineties yeah. where I kept saying, God, why you don't really they shoot close. more threes with like Mark Price and Elo and stuff. Yeah. It's, well, and, and Andre Drummond, I think, we are all I, I if if they just paid out the rest of Andre Drummond's contract right and let him walk I <laughs> I would take if, the loss just to watch better basketball see I'm hesitant to drop on completely on that train just because I feel like he has to have value if not 
if nothing else, if he was a corpse, just because of his expiring contract, he has value for teams. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think there's a lot of teams that, you know, looking around the league, there isn't a ton of teams that want to get off contracts. That There aren't that many toxic contracts that teams want to get off. The, the, the only one in the league right now might be Christoph Porzingis, um, who's who's just been abysmal uh, from a defensive standpoint for uh, Dallas. But, yeah, I mean, Drummond has been super frustrating as a Cavalier the last several games. Um, you know, there was tonight a concerted effort not to just force feed the ball into him ad nauseum but yeah, which was so pleasant but as the game went on you know he very much was still going one on three one on four not moving the ball out of the high post you know that the one thing you say about larry nance is when he gets the ball in the post he is a pass first post player um at times drummond is a pass last post player <laughs> i mean yeah i well, he no. was driving me insane on some of those positions and tonight or possessions you know the and the numbers again don't look that bad 18 points nine rebounds four assists two steals only minus three um but yeah it was rough what were you gonna say uh, i was gonna say so i'll give him a little bit of an excuse on the previous game on some of his past last options because there weren't a lot of options for him to pass to, a little bit of an excuse. There still were options. But, you know, when there, nobody's shooting threes, it's kind of like, well, someone do it or not. And you could tell there's a bit of a directive for the ball to get to him. But just watching him tonight, there was just so many times that it, just rolling my eyes at it. And then you look at Drummond's stats, and he puts up, you know, incredible counting stats at least you know not advanced analytics but counting stats and you're like well you know okay is somebody going to be able to fill this void then you look at what jared allen did when he was when Drummond was out and it's like oh yeah someone else can do that yeah and, and you look at their one loss in their or their one win in their last five games and it's when andre drummond sat <laughs> right. you know and the they they've literally won so one, two, three, five, six. They've lost six of their last eight. Um Drummond and the only teams they've beaten are and admittedly the teams that they're playing, uh, aside from the Knicks, are very good. You know, Boston, LA. Yeah. Uh both LA teams and then uh the Bucks tonight. But, you know, losing to Minnesota Losing to the Knicks, um, the, their two wins are basically against the two worst teams in the NBA, and they barely beat Minnesota um, the other night. So it's, you know, they don't feel like they're trending in a positive direction to me. Uh, tonight's game, they very much hung with the Warriors for three quarters. They Bucks. were down, I'm sorry, the Bucks. They were down 31, I'm sorry, 91 94 at the beginning of the fourth. And then got just killed down the stretch, uh, outscored by, you know, 15 in the fourth quarter. Um, they're, they're having a hard time closing games, uh, super difficult to score with Drummond in crunch time situations. 
I really felt like Colin Sexton did not get the ball enough, which is weird in the fourth <laughs> quarter. But the, their fourth quarter offense just did not seem to have a plan. Like no, it just all fell apart. Yeah, I mean they they very much seem. Um, it's hard to describe, but they're very scattershot offensively and just disorganized, I guess is the way to, to describe it. And, you know, it was frustrating because they had a, basically a, you know, a four possession stretch in the fourth when they were down by seven, you know, Sexton misses a three, then Windler misses a three that he should have made. And then Prince yeah. misses a pull-up, which is a terrible shot. Then Prince misses a layup. And that was right when uh, Tedakumpo came in from being injured in the third quarter. He had blood all over his uh, knee. And he went to the locker room, came back with 834, and immediately drains you know, this roll-around-the-rim twice three-pointer from the top of the key as soon as he came in the game. And that pretty much was a backbreaker for the Cavs. They never really recovered from. Um, no, that just completely killed the team. Yeah. And uh, that in that kind of speaks to though uh, what I was talking about. Drummond is as far as his counting stats are good. You saw you know in the previous uh, or two games ago, or whatever, when Allen started, he had almost the same stats, but he doesn't require anything to get them. He doesn't yeah. require plays to be run for him. He sets bet way better screens, obviously, yeah. and he's just in the right place at the right time. Whereas every one of Drummond's stats tends to cost the team something, and it, it's just been incredibly apparent over the last couple of games. I'm glad the Cavs at least started to take some threes again, and you know I, I really wish they'd get Windler a little bit more involved because when the guy is only playing a handful of minutes every once in a while, he's not going to get into a good three-point rhythm, and obviously he's a great three-point shooter. It's just they, they need to better utilize their offensive weapons. Yeah, I, like, I will uh, say at the very least, they looked for three-point shooters in transition tonight, um, oh, absolutely. which was better, which they hadn't even been doing. Um, they still got way too happy with the floaters, even though... They're probably the best team in the league at shooting floaters, but yeah, you know, at the elbow, thing. I called them. I called them the Cleveland elbows tonight because there were so many elbow jumpers and floaters <laughs> from about you know anywhere from ten to you know sixteen feet. But the, it, that's not an efficient basketball shot in today's NBA, and it doesn't get you to the line. Um, and, and other teams are going to keep giving it to us. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason teams, you know, give the Cavs that uh, that shot. And you saw tonight, you know, the other thing, the Cavs only got to the line 16 times to 22 for the Bucks, And they actually held the Bucks to a really good shooting number from three. They held them to seven for 22 while the Cavs went 11 for 32 and got very cold late, which didn't help them either. Um, and yeah, Although that's obviously influenced also by the fact that they were trying to make a comeback at the end, so you're yeah. jacking up a few more threes than you normally yeah. would, but they needed to. They should have. Yeah. And, you know, and there were some guys with some surprising lines tonight. Uh, Torian Prince, four for seven tonight. He He's really interesting because he seems a better shooter off the dribble than he does um, 
you know, on the catch and shoot. Isaac Okoro had a nice night shooting three, two of five. Uh, had a couple that he passed up that he shouldn't have that kind of led to bad possessions. But, you know, still all in all, I thought he played a really nice game. You know, 10 points, three rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks. Um, well, he's gradually getting a little bit better at realizing when he needs to take command in the offense. And yeah, when well, he has and I, a shot. I would also say the faster-paced offense helps him because it gives him less to think about and also gives them more possessions to, you know, look for Okoro. Um, I agree. Darius Garland had a, felt like he had a nice game. Um, 13 points, four assists. The problem was he was minus 23 in his time on the floor. And, and I couldn't really, you know, single game plus minus, not the greatest, you know, indicator of, of, an, of, you know, analytical accuracy, but I couldn't point to one single thing that, you know, Darius Garland was doing. But I will say he had zero rebounds, and the rebounding battle was the big reason that the Cavs did not win this basketball game. Uh, they were out-rebounded 54-36, to 36, and the Bucks had 13 offensive rebounds. And when you've got guys like, you know, Dante DiVincenzo uh, had 11 rebounds that game, um, you know, your guards are getting out-rebounded. And I will say, you know, looking at the box score, Dante DiVincenzo had 22, was plus 22, while Darius Garland was minus 23. So in their time on the court, so kind of tell you who won that battle. Yeah, um, that's really a problem, and especially because, honestly, uh, Darius Garland has gotten better at rebounding, and Sexton is typically a much better rebounder, at least than you'd expect. And from tonight, that just doesn't stack up. Yeah. And the Cavs, you know, one of the problems is Taurine Prince is a not great uh, guy for improving your team defensive rebounding. He's not a guy that blocks out real well. Uh, you know, he's going to get five or six rebounds, but he's not a guy like Larry Nance that's just going to, you know, use that big wingspan and get his butt into somebody and, you know, seal off. And even, even if he doesn't get the rebound, somebody else is gonna, um, and obviously, you know, the bucks with Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Middleton really good rebounding team. But when you give up 11 to, you know, the big ragu Dante DiVincenzo <laughs> and uh, that that's problematic for any team. So so that that's a big reason the Cavs lost this game. I'll say but, that sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it just kinda goes back to though something that both of us have harped on is about playing people out of position. And and Prince is a big three. He's oh, not a yeah. four. Because you look at the previous game and he almost had a double double. He had eight points, nine rebounds. It's but when you keep pushing people like him and Jetty and I honestly think he and Jetty are very similar players. Um, you you start taking away people's strengths and turning them into weaknesses. Yeah, and I actually thought um, the Drummond uh, Jared Allen lineups that played tonight. Uh, I would have liked to have seen some of that in the fourth quarter because I really did think it helped their rebounding. And you know, big play in the third quarter when they they. Was it the third quarter or no, the second quarter 
when they played the big lineup with uh, basically Allen at the four, um, he stepped out and hit a left corner three. That was the first quarter. Oh, was it the first quarter? Okay. Um, I'm literally watching the replay as we talk. Oh, so okay. I just saw so, it a couple you know, seconds. Big out. shot. If the if he can consistently hit that shot, it's a, it's a huge advantage for uh, the Cavs' offense. And I actually wish they'd have gone with that lineup a little bit in the fourth quarter because I did feel like it would have helped them defensively and you know shorn up some of their rebounding woes because you know Torian Prince had a very hard time guarding Giannis and also rebound. No, I agree. I think, honestly, because Allen is so mobile, he does a better job stepping from a five to a four than Prince does stepping from a three to a four. And yeah. if that just the corner three, I don't even give a damn about any of the other threes. If just the corner three is part of his repertoire and he can hit it one out of three times. That's an entirely new threat that he just added to the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it almost reminds me of when Zydrunas Ogaskis was with the team and, you know, they set up corners. Yeah, it just completely changes how the other team has to guard you, which is part of the problem of our lack of threes uh, in the previous game. It's just when you're not even taking them, the other team realizes you're not taking them. So they get yeah. the clog banked. And so you can get a bunch of floaters, and we're pretty good at floaters, but it's still a, you know, 12, 15-foot shot that only scores two points. Yeah, and and I'll say along with that is then you can play these drop pick and roll coverages, you can go under the screen and if you're never going to punish a team for going under the screen, you know, people are going to drop back and play that, you know, defend the paid defense all day. Um it just doesn't work in today's NBA and fortunately the Cavs tonight you know, getting to 32 threes, taking a lot more in transition, a lot more early in the shot clock, um, much more deliberate offense about, you know, diversifying the offense in terms of the shot selection, but still fell off at the end and still had a lot of execution problems down the stretch. And, you know, Andre Drummond took a stupid three from the top of the key. I think we're all sick of Andre Drummond shooting threes. I'm I'm ready to fire the dude into the sun. <laughs> I I just I can't watch him anymore. He he drives me up the wall. And well, the and I think that he misses are the worst. But I agree with you about the bunnies that he misses are the worst though. Oh yeah. Well, I I said someone tonight. He almost seems so overbuilt. He reminds me of uh, Hans and Franz. I don't know if you ever saw the old (laughs) Saturday Night Live sketch. Like he can barely get his arms above his head, or you know, like I always feel like he's crouched in a position and can't elevate because he's so overbuilt. Ability to just actually just put the ball in the hole, which is again going back to Jared Allen, where. It was so refreshing to see someone just get the ball and just put it in. Yeah. And, you know, especially the fact that he can dunk from outside the restricted area. That's really yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, no, it's video game. Yeah, video game level. But uh, as far as the threes, also, it seems like the only player on the team, and not to jump back on the Jetty train, but they can pull the kind of Corver curl screens is Jetty. Everybody else turns them down constantly. It drives me nuts where they just run around the screen. They're open. They're like, yeah, well, I'll just kind of dribble into like seven other people. It's yeah. uh, 
I, I don't understand why nobody else can get the concept of that. I, well, part of it is, you know, the other thing I'm going to talk about is, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff, we're starting to really see the flaws in his coaching. Um, you know, there's been some murmurings on the Cavs comment board about, you know, this is part of why he was run in, run out of uh, Memphis or didn't have his contract renewed. You know, they don't run plays with any kind of force. Um, the, the screening is awful, uh, the, especially the off-ball screening. But, the like, tonight I saw so many plays, the baseline out-of-bounds plays. How can team, How can this team screw up baseline out-of-bounds so many times it is maddening like they don't even run a play they don't even have a set of plays to run on baseline out of bounds they all just kind of stand there and throw to big the big over the top most of the time like how many times did we see with even you know larry drew or Ty Lu, you know they had set out of bounds plays that Teams literally had to scheme for because they would get people layups, and they was it Nomad that said that we should steal Tyloo's old playbook? Right, yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean it's just it's super frustrating, you know. Nomad from the Cavs blog comment section. Yes, I feel like they don't even really know what they're doing. They're just kind of like, well, try and find the way to get the ball to somebody, and that's it especially with the baseline out-of-bounds plays. Yeah, the baseline out-of-bounds plays are abysmal. And, you know, I even... It literally cost them a game against... Or almost cost them a game against Milwaukee, or uh, Minnesota when they had the ball stolen on a baseline out-of-bounds play and they had two timeouts to call. It's like, you know... Yeah, and that was the other side of the court, even out-of-bounds play, which yeah. should be easier just to get the damn ball in yeah it's just like you know basic stuff like that they're they're failing at you know they don't run their offensive sets with any kind of force and it's really starting to hurt the team and yet that there's a lot of promise there but i i really you know one of the problems is they don't have a power forward right now they've got tari and prince you know, starting at the four and they need to get, you know, Larry Nance Jr. or and Kevin Love back. Um, you know, I wish they had another four on this roster, but they really don't. You know, Dean Wade is not that guy to me. Yeah, I <laughs> we, was we've really had that discussion. He hasn't really showed up this season. You know, yeah. he had a couple bad games, he had one good game and I started to get happy again and then He's kind of been a non-presence when he's been in since then. Yeah, and actually a guy that got some minutes in that role tonight. They played some lineups with Windler and Lamar Stevens at the four spots. Um, And they had nine rebounds between them in 36 combined minutes. Uh, I'm sorry, not nine rebounds. uh, Eight rebounds between them in 36 combined minutes, uh, but only eight points and but I actually thought those lineups looked pretty decent at times I actually thought Lamar Stevens played a really good game defensively um had some nice stops on guys is a good cutter the problem is is he just he's he has no confidence in his uh three-point shot right now and 
until he gets that he's he's kind of a borderline liability in today's NBA at that three four spot. But you know, nice defensive minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of the things I like about Stevens. He's just not quite a complete NBA player yet. He has yeah. he definitely has a lot of uh, good moments, but as you said, he has some liabilities. Although it then going back to Windler, I I still can't understand how they can't incorporate him just a little bit more. I know his three point shot hasn't been as reliable as advertised yet, but there's so many things he does the right way. So many times he's blocked a guy, you know, six inches taller than him. Oh yeah. I, I feel like they need to get him more involved and realize that he can really be a part of this rebuild. Yeah. And and let's talk about a guy who did have a big block in the fourth quarter. You know, Colin Sexton had a oh, really yeah. nice game tonight. Uh, 19 points, four assists, two rebounds. Uh, he was 7-17, seven but 4-5 or five at the line. He's really getting a knack for drawing fouls and, and making refs call them. Um, well, well, that's a big thing. It's There's a little bit of he finally got cred since he's had yeah. – uh, a scoring run and he's not a rookie and he's been better at selling it, better at learning how to draw the falls. And he was the only guy on the team with a positive plus minus. Yeah. I, I thought he played really well. Uh, I actually wanted to see the ball in his hands a little more often down the stretch. Um, and I actually thought Garland played well offensively. Um, you know, like we talked about, got killed by DiVincenzo on the boards, but Garland uh, looked really good when he was running the offense, and I really didn't like when it was Andre Drummond and Torian Prince running the offense. So I absolutely agree, and it's uh, in to be even fair, Garland is at least learned some on defense. He's obviously not a plus defensive player, and wasn't a plus def- player at all this game, but. He's at least learned how to use his hands and to make up for the lack of his size. I mean, he's been way better at deflections and steals this year. It's We're seeing what's to come from him, I hope. Yeah. But when you see a guy that's very physical like Dante DiVincenzo tonight, um, that's where you kind of see his, his limitations as a guard. Although, boy, when he has that ball on a, on a string like he had a couple times tonight, he's really exciting to watch. We end his fake outs and just like we'll jump yeah. up in the air. Looks like he's going to shoot. Three guys jump on him and he dishes it off. That's yeah. where you get and look like, holy crap, this is going to be something that could be really good in the future. Yeah, and he hasn't even played 82 games. So um, he's still a rookie till then to me. <laughs> good um, point. I, and we can talk about the Bucks a little bit. I mean, I really felt like the Bucks cruised through this game till the fourth quarter. Um you know, Drew Holiday had a real quiet. He had 17 points on nine shots. Chris Middleton, you know, barely, you know, broke a sweat at times. 11 shots, 15 points. I really felt like the Bucks could have probably won by 40 if they wanted to. But I wouldn't say they played down to the Cavs, but they coasted a lot. I was going to say coasted as well. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I have to say that's unfortunate thing I harp on all the time whenever I see Giannis is I, and obviously they would have won the game either way, but I'm still so incredibly sick about the fact that he gets an extra step always. Well, tonight he, he was getting an extra step yeah. and an extra dribble. <laughs> it just, it, 
it's I'm not actually saying this is true, but it feels like the NBA really wants to promote this young kid as an MVP and just, yeah, we'll let him get away with it because it looks cool. Well, I think it's the truth, but it feels like it. <laughs> it's a twofold issue. I mean, one, his uh, strides are so long that it's it's almost hard to officiate him because he what he's doing it doesn't look natural to begin with. The other thing is yeah. he's re- he's got good footwork for the most part. So even when he doesn't, or it, at least it looks good. So even when he takes that extra step or, you know, does that extra dribble, like he had the one play where he Euro stepped from the, from the top of the three point line, took two dribbles, took three steps. Yeah. Where you up and under it. And yeah, and it's just, but it's just infuriating. And to, you know, if I lived in Milwaukee, I I'm sure I would love him to death. Yeah. But it's just, when you watch it, it's just like, that's, not basketball that's you know you're kind of cheating there it just it it gets so infuriating to watch where especially because as you said i I agree so fluid with some of his footwork that it makes it look like he's not doing anything wrong but you give Giannis an extra step and that's like eight feet you give you know someone else an extra step like like eight feet feet. (laughs) it is eight feet right so it's like compounds the issue because yeah. it's not like he's just getting away with a little bit extra it's like he's getting away with like a quarter of the <laughs> half court yeah and i really i really did feel like the Cavs would have been better served to go you know allen and drummond or allen and uh javel some more tonight to try and counter him because i don't really feel like you know torian prince was definitely outmatched and i i, I was a little confused why you wouldn't cross match and just put Prince on Lopez and Drummond or Allen on Giannis because Lopez pretty much just sits outside anyway and shoots threes. So uh, that was a little odd to me. The only thing you got to worry about is Lopez being able to shoot over a shorter person, but I still agree with you. And yeah, I would have seen like to see more Allen or a bit of McGee to, to put a bigger body on Giannis and not like pretend that he's not a center or, you know, they, yeah. at least he doesn't have a size of a center. Yeah. And you know, the, I guess the one other place that the Cavs did have an advantage was definitely the bench. Um, you know, Chetty, Dylan Windler, Jared Allen, Lamar Stevens all had solid minutes off the bench and, and gave them some solid scoring. Whereas the only real good scorer off the bench for, Milwaukee was Bobby, as I call him, Frodo Eyes Portis. Um, he he had uh, 14 points and just was super annoying, you know, how he was the beneficiary of a lot of offensive rebounds and putbacks um, and not necessarily ones that he got, but other people got. And, you know, DJ Augustin, I actually thought they did a nice job of containing him because he's usually a pretty good player, but you know, they, they held them down pretty well. And, you know, Tory Craig and Pat Connaughton, not great. Bryn Forbes had a nice game for them. Uh, hit a big three in the fourth quarter, but you know, that, that bench is definitely seems a little thin come playoff time. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for Milwaukee, but I'm, I'm a little, 
you know, I wish the Cavs had gone big more often, but I I understand why they didn't. They were they were trying to diversify the offense. So, do you think the Cavs can do anything to try and improve tomorrow uh to, you know, more towards a win other than, you know, get Larry Nance Jr. back? Well, yeah, that would obviously be wonderful. Um, but I agree with you. We need to because we're dealing with Giannis or because the Cavs are dealing with Giannis, they have to play a bigger four more often. And it's not a knock on Prince because he's actually a really good defender. But, you know, he's only so big. And luckily, the backup bigs that the Cavs have are big and mobile. You know, they're not yeah. people that just are plodding and that don't know how to move laterally. So a little more clogging the paint that way, I think, would help um, do what they did on the three-point line. But, I mean, a big part of it is even just a young team that's rebuilding, learning how to close games and how to finish stuff out when stuff gets tough. Uh, I was really happy of the fact that Jetty was one of the first ones to start off with taking some threes that were a little risky, uh, not necessarily taking a bad three, but just showing the team, you know, you don't have to just drive into the trees. Yeah. So sticking with that kind of uh, practice, I think it'd be a good idea. But I think you're absolutely right. They just need to play a little bit bigger because they're dealing with Giannis. Yeah, I will say I thought Chetty was a little three happy at times. He had that one where he hit the side of the backboard. Oh, that was pathetic. <laughs> um, which was super frustrating. Um, you know, they they got a little fast in their offense and. I do feel like sometimes they take the first three available instead of working for a better shot. Um, and I also, the other thing that drives me batty is that nobody rotates to the strong side from the weak side when the ball goes into the post. And it's like, just give Drummond a better angle for the shot. Like the Cavs miss so many open guys because nobody rotates to the open spot. And, they're really bad about finding the wings in transition. Like all you got to do is drive in and then cut off the wing defender with your drive and then kick it to three. And the Cavs are, you know, and Delhi was a master of that. And the Cavs are terrible at it. Like, I don't understand how they're so bad at, you know, setting up wing threes it, and, and corner threes. It just, it drives me nuts. But their lack of corner threes is frustrating as hell. Oh, and for sure. I think part of it is, uh, as you said kind of before, exposing some of JB's weaknesses, uh, especially on offense. And part of it is the lineup has been different almost every day. And there's different people in different positions all the time, which sometimes can be really versatile, but sometimes can really throw you off. Well, it definitely but, messes with your chemistry. Right. But they still need to figure out a little bit better, especially with like corner threes in transition uh, and just ways, as you said, of finding wings, especially in the corner. Because you'll see somebody standing there all by themselves, even half the time jumping up and down, waving their hands. <laughs> yeah. And instead, someone tries a layup against four guys or tries like a 10 foot floater against four guys. Yeah, I, I will say I was a little off earlier. The Cavs shot 10 threes against the Clippers and the Clippers shot. 20 of 34, including Paul George going 8 and 9. <laughs> yeah, which that kind of hurts. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, 
and they weren't all open. No, they weren't all. There was a lot of open shots, but they were not all open. You know, but I meant Paul George specifically. But yeah. oh yes, uh, I I did as well. Um, the the Clippers look like a really good team, and again, another team that probably could have you know won by thirty. Still had kind of a thin thin bench, although Abaka uh, Zubac killed uh, Andre Drummond that game. He was so much longer and more athletic than Drummond was against the Clippers, and that well, Clippers game quick, might have been the most frustrating game of the season that I've watched. Speaking of Zubac, so against Drummond, what about that shove out of bounds? Oh well, yeah, but <laughs> uh, that you know, again, it's game, Drummond plays smaller than he is. Is he's crouched over the entire time, you know, Drummond minus 33, you know, Zubac plus four, you know, Drummond was a bit, I don't know that, that the game against Clippers was so weird because the starters were all at least minus 22 and yet, you know, Chetty was plus seven, Jared Allen was plus 11, Dylan Windler was plus eight. It was, you know, coaching yeah. malfeasance that... Andre Drummond had 22 minutes and Jared Allen didn't come out and start the, the fourth quarter or the, no, that the was third quarter. It, it was ridiculous. But uh, it, the out of bounds thing is just one of my pet peeves. I miss the old rule in the NBA about a force out where. Oh, yeah. No, be... it, it that it should have been called, you know, when Zubac pushed him out. The, the current rules are you have to either call a foul or not. But the old rules of the NBA are if you force somebody out of bounds, it was just the other it was just their ball. You didn't have to call a foul. And I think that makes refs a chicken sometimes to call things because yeah. like, well, maybe it wasn't really a foul, even though he's the reason that he went out of bounds. Yeah, I really they did that, that. And that was that's the whole thing where like they used to do that. And now that you can challenge, um you know, people would just challenge that. And then by the letter of the law, it was out off that guy. But, you know, it used to be basically a makeup call. Right. Now, I will say the other thing that I've been harping on is how bad J.B. Bickerstaff is at challenges. And it's I, I in the live thread, he actually won the first challenge I can remember this season. Well, the first challenge since the Okoro... Uh, chase down early in the season. And, that was, uh, oh, go ahead. And he's just been abysmal at them. Like, and I don't understand why, like, there's just no rhyme or reason uh, to why he challenges when, and, you know, he challenges a lot of plays that, you know, will really have no effect on the game or, you know, wait too long to call him or challenges plays that, he's never going to win or challenges plays that, you know, don't really impact the game at that moment. It's, it's just maddening. He just seems to have a terrible feel for it. And it, like, even tonight when he won the challenge, <laughs> they still scored on the possession. <laughs> well, I got two points for that. First of yeah. all, I think partially the challenge is kind of like the coach taking, taking attack. And I agree with you. He's still had bad uh, instincts with it. But I think part of it is a, kind of a trust thing of saying, okay, well, I'm going to believe my player. And oh, I'm, yeah, I think scheme, that's true too. But In the grand scheme of things, most 
single possessions aren't going to decide a game. Now, sometimes they obviously do, but I think there's a big part of that. And then going to the jump ball, which was hilarious that, yeah, he won the challenge and they scored anyways. But obviously the ball drifted towards, uh, what was it, Giannis, I think, the jump yeah, with Yeah, and there was, a, there was a makeup but later the in Garland, the game. Yeah. Right, the Garland jump where I'm snickering and joking watching the game, being like, oh, yeah, Garland's really going to win this one. And then, <laughs> and then he threw it right to him. <laughs> yeah. That was utterly priceless. Well, and jump balls are stupid anyway. Jump ball is one of those things. It's like just get the college possession arrow in the NBA. It It's so dumb they do actual jump balls. I agree. It, it just sets up weird things in it. Well, that and like we need more reasons to slow down the NBA basketball game. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh, it typically makes it so it's like, well, if you're short, it's not worth diving for the ball. And <laughs> obviously not all the time because – Obviously, uh, Garland won that one. But for some reason, I don't know if they don't have a training program for refs to throw straight jump balls, or maybe it's that difficult. I don't know. I haven't tried to do it myself. But it it just seems like it always drifts one way or the other. So it's almost like the arrow already. I, I, I will say I enjoyed the game. At least they were in it for three and a half quarters. I did not want to through my television. I did against the Clippers. Win, win there. That was a nice feeling. And I'm hoping Larry Nance Jr. is back soon. I don't know if you saw the Delhi tweet today that, you know, he's not considering retirement, just yeah. wanting to come back and play for the Cavs. Um, you know, I feel for the dude had a really bad concussion and has had a few and had a couple in his career. We had a pretty bad one last year that was almost as long. Okay. I'm pretty sure because I remember him being out for like at least over a month and a half. So I Was think it? it's kind a month of and a half. I thought he broke his hand though. I'm not sure. He may have done that too. I don't Zizic know got a really bad concussion last year. Okay, maybe I'm confusing. I could have sworn yeah. though that Delhi had a long concussion last year. Yeah, Zizic got hit in the head by um uh, Mason Mason Plumley. Yeah. My my one of my least favorite NBA players. One of your least favorite Plumleys, or just well, he's the only relevant Plumley. So he, but he's my least favorite NBA player. Oh, it's saying a lot. <laughs> or what? One of them. One of them. Uh, I sing, I sing the song Edelweiss because he looks like an SS officer every time he's <laughs> at the free throw line. <laughs> oh, I'll never get that picture out of my head now. <laughs> anyway. But so all things considered, though, I mean, the Cavs have shown a lot of promise this year. Um, The biggest thing is they still have to figure it all out. Uh, But you can see the talent that's coming forward in the future. So if they can figure a way to keep most of this together, and if JB can either learn offense or hire an assistant that can run offense... It'll be exciting to watch, especially as they get more, uh, more veteran, I guess, yeah. and so, learn how to up quarters and games. So, do you buy the conspiracy theory that I was touting and probably more credulously than I should have that you know the mandate came down after they won two against Brooklyn that they should be shooting fewer threes? <laughs> Oh, and that it's a low-key tank. Although I I do think 
playing Drummond so much to build his trade value is is a little bit of low key tanking strategy. But I don't know about the threes. What do you what's your take on that? Um, yeah, I don't completely buy it. I think it's kind of it, as they've been having people go down. Uh, that were the offensive weapons. It kind of looked like, well, we have Drummond. And I think that's what a lot of what bigger staff was looking at. And then even as pieces started to come back, I think that strategy still kind of stayed. That's at least kind of my opinion. It just became, well, if we don't know what to do, let's just throw it to Drummond and see if he can do something. Yeah. So I'm not in on a conspiracy theory here. Sorry. Oh no, I'm. I although I, I do think I'm he's not. A I'm not selling you. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't Cavs Anon. <laughs> but he is a lizard person. <laughs> Andre Drummond. Yes. That, well, that's the only explanation for why he plays. He a lizard crouches guy. too much to be a lizard. <laughs> Have you seen many lizards? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, don't know. I grew up in a house with hundreds of lizards. What? My mother used to breed and uh, raise uh, chameleons and geckos when wow. I was a little kid, sell them globally. Uh, she's actually like, published in some books and stuff for it. Huh. Uh, so there was literally like 200 lizards in my house when I was a teenager. <laughs> Yankee lizards, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget if she had a company name for it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I know lizards and I know lizard people. And and you're saying Andre is a lizard person? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna totally. I'm gonna disagree. Okay, There's Kyrie. your conspiracy theory. I'm totally going for my Kyrie moment right now. So do you think he gets moved? What what what's your what's your over under? What's your if you could put a percentage on it? What what are the odds Andre Drum gets moved by the the trade deadline? I'd go like sixty five percent. They'll just I take st- the best deal available. Yeah, because I still have trouble somewhat believing that they're going to move him when they have a chance for a playoff push. And I think it really has to do what happens has to do with what happens over the next week or two. Um, because even if he's somewhat of a detriment, I see them having trouble moving him if they think they can make the playoffs. But, I don't think it has anything to do with making the playoffs. I think they'd be better off without him for making the playoffs I, at this point, the way his offense is. Practically, I agree, but I'm just talking about the way that people think. Um, you know, I, I just have, a fe- I get the feeling that if they think they're going to make the playoffs, they have trouble giving up someone that's a multi-time all-star with, you know, the counting stats that he has, yeah. uh, which could very well shoot them in the foot. Yeah. But, and, and I've talked about it a little, I don't see very many, you know, there's Charlotte, there's Dallas, there's uh Chicago would be a possibility. Um, uh, and, and I actually think you could go to Boston if they got really weird and creative with their trade exception. But yeah, there, there's, there's only, you know, maybe four teams in the league that could trade for him. And I'm not sure how much he helps. I think he helps Dallas and Boston. Those might be the only two teams, but by the time Dallas wants to trade for him, they could be out of the playoffs because the West is so damn stacked and they're already pretty far behind at this point. Yeah, it's it's just tough because it, uh, Allen had that game where he basically, again, as I said before, he basically proved that he can be Drummond, except he doesn't make bonehead plays. He might <laughs> yeah. be perfect, and there's stuff he can't do, but you don't have to run anything for him. So 
in a perfect world, I agree that if you can get anything decent for Drummond, it kind of makes sense at this point. But I just feel like if they think they have a shot at the playoffs, they have trouble giving away a player that has Drummond's reputation. I don't think they want to make the playoffs, truthfully. I think they want to say they want to make the playoffs for the players, you know, to keep the players engaged and keep the coaching staff engaged. But I don't think Kobe Altman actually wants to make the playoffs. Although picking up Prince and Allen was definitely a step towards making the playoffs. Oh, well, true. But those are, you know, Allen, if you're getting a guy that you can potentially control for the next five years at that age and that upside, you, you, you know, you do that a hundred times out of a hundred. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, and then also Prince is kind of like the perfect rotation piece. Yeah, no, he definitely filled a need for them. So, yeah. Any other uh, things you think come the Cavs way roster wise? I don't, I can see see Damian Dotson getting moved. Yeah, Dotson, I could see one way or the other. He was really helpful when they were depleted. So maybe they sit on that. Maybe that actually kind of has to do with how Delhi comes back or not. Yeah. Um, just having somebody else that you can trust with the ball. Um, other than that, it's they seem like they're pretty well set up for the future. They just need to figure a few things out, and maybe one other draft pick would be good, or you know, high draft pick rather. Um, yeah. So a little bit maybe has to do with how Coro develops on offense. And if they're willing to utilize Windler, uh, the only other thing is if they are planning on getting rid of Drummond, then they only have McGee for one more year, so or for this year. So they're going to have to figure out at least a backup for him. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure what they might do about that, or if that might they might wait to deal with that in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think. Kevin Love and Larry Nance can play backup for him, too. I mean, I don't think that's a terrible... True, it's just nice always having a shot blocker in there. And yeah. I famously uh, have said that I do not really think shot blocking is that important, and I really think I've been proven wrong this year uh, <laughs> of having a rim protector because there's so many times where you look at five blocks and that turns into the same thing as ten points for our team. So, well, I think the other thing that the reason that's important in the NBA and you you're seeing it a little bit, most of the better defensive teams have some pretty good shot blocking. Um is that it allows players to be a lot more aggressive on the perimeter. Uh when they have a backline defender that can, you know, help with penetration. Um which stops threes and that's kind of the most important thing about defense right now in the NBA is if you can stop people from shooting and making threes. Right, which is kind of ironic that rim protecting is helping with threes, but uh, it's definitely shown through, especially with some of the zone defense that the uh, Cavs have run, yeah. where if they know that they have you know Allen or even Drummond, especially on his good days back there, they're, they're able to fight through screens a little bit differently. They're able to hang a little closer to their man because they know that even if they get beat, they have, they have somebody to cover their back. So uh, anything you want to – any par- uh, last thoughts about the Cavs or anything that you want to bring up that you didn't get a chance to? Uh, no, I actually think we pretty much covered it pretty well. I'm just oh, awesome. really hoping that they have at least a more compa- – or a considerably comparative game again uh, next run against the Bucks and. I- I'm 
not so deluded that I think they're going to win, but I think they have at least a chance if they have a good night because they at least showed that they have ways to to stop what the Bucks do. Yeah, and and I'm possibly being a little bit younger and a little bit deeper will help them. Good es- point. Especially if they sit Drummond. <laughs> well, a part of me does wonder a little bit because I, maybe I was just ignoring it earlier. I definitely saw his bonehead plays before, but I swear the last two games he's been worse than normal bonehead drumming. Oh, yeah. I, I'm wondering maybe if part of it is his back is why he's kind of off on some of those bunnies. Because a handful of those shots drop, and it really changes the perspective. Would you say his back? Yeah. Oh, is it? That's is, what he's out for. Oh, okay. Back injury. So I'm saying, so maybe he's a little stiff or whatever, and that's making him not quite have the agility to finish some stuff that he had. I'd have to look at the stats to see if that really makes sense or not. But the little bit of me that wants to give him the benefit of the doubt wonders if, as he starts to recover, he's going to look at least as a positive instead of a negative. Yeah, I mean, I will say that might explain some of his lack of lift tonight. Yeah, and that's the only thing I could think of. But I definitely soured on him, but... yeah. It, I, he's obviously been he's obviously a good NBA player. Yeah, I, I really hope they sit him tomorrow, especially if he is having back issues. Well, yeah, it'd be great if they rest him. I, <laughs> even even against the possibility of us winning or losing, I'd just love to see another picture of Jared Allen as a starter. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Um yeah, and you know, the NBA as a whole's been interesting. Um the Cavs, it's funny they're 10th in the east right now uh they're back in the lottery yet that they're only a couple games from being like fifth (laughs) so the the east and the west are both really packed the problem is is everybody in the west that's a playoff team right now has a winning record and that's not true in the east the east has been definitely interesting though yeah in how a lot of things have shifted and it's gonna be interesting to see how some of the stars in the east and just looking at the uh, all-star ballot for the East. It's Yeah, it's it's a little bit crazy. You know, the defending NBA champs right now, Miami, or Eastern Conference champs right now, Miami, are not even a playoff team right now, even though they did win big against Washington tonight. And, you know, uh, Dallas, who was kind of an NBA darling of the bubble and had a, had a really good series against the Clippers, just totally are terrible this year can't defend anybody so it, it's well, definitely not, odd season so far well and obviously it was fated to be so but uh yeah. and toronto it, losing record although they've been a lot better of late well it'd be interesting to see what the second half of the schedule is set up like which yeah. i i think was really smart of the nba to only do half of it at a time yeah instead of having to you know a few months and be like oh oops we screwed up now we have to change this they yeah, even though they want to have this BS All-Star game that no one wants to play. <laughs> uh, they can't do everything perfect. <laughs> but it's, it's, Well, I don't yeah. know if you saw the Kevin Durant debacle tonight. Oh, no. Oh, so they sat him out at the beginning of the game because uh, somebody he was associated with, because I, I guess you can have people in your personal bubble, is kind of how it goes down well that person tested inconclusive so they let him play or no they wouldn't let him play until he was retested 
until that person was retested. And then I guess that person's test came back positive. So they pulled him in the third quarter. <laughs> and everybody was like, this is a clown show. Like, what are you doing here? So, and then they ended up losing 123-117 to Toronto. Uh, something like that happened at, at my old job where they sent us help yeah. because somebody was waiting on a test and then halfway through the shift, oh, oops, he tested yeah. positive. But I'm I'm actually okay. surprised they haven't gotten vaccines forever. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it'd be a PR nightmare. I, I think a little bit. It's, oh, all these millionaires get tests before people that are 70, you know, so. Yeah. Yep. Um, I did think uh, one of the late night talk show hosts, I forget who it was, was talking about how uh, several months ago, like, well, why don't we just have the NBA run the coronavirus thing? Because they should just, you know how they had that bubble and no one tested positive? Why don't we just sl- slowly make it bigger? And then no one be positive. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they're they're proving as fallible as uh, obviously it's entirely practical. I'm just joking. No, my favorite is the NHL. Their plan: they took the back glass out of the bench area to improve airflow because that would cut down on COVID transmission. What? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, but the Cavs did get uh, their attendance uh, limit improved. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yay. So yeah, my wife head. was asking me if I wanted to go tonight. And now I'm watching Bruce Willis in the Die Hard is back commercial and it is a battery commercial. <laughs> car car quest. So that I have not seen. Yeah, well, yeah, look look forward to it. Um I'm trying to think if I have anything else to add. Um you got anything to pitch or anything uh any any good stories? Uh, nothing to pitch. Uh, one thing that just came to mind again that you mentioned earlier. So what do you feel about the Jared Allen three? I don't know about his previous record. Uh, I don't think he really oh, ever shooting? took any. Yeah. Um, I, no, I think it's fine if he can hit that shot. He obviously has touch. You know, he has a 70, over 70% three, uh, free throw percentage, which for a big man is, is, is pretty good. Um, he has some touch. I, I think it's definitely something you should develop. I don't love bigs, you know, that kind of exclusively get out there, but I love that he he has the ability to stretch the field and at least, um, or, you know, make teams respect it. Yeah, cause I think we touched on it actually before, but it's just kind of an interesting thing because everything I've always heard about him is him being, you know, really old school kind of player. And so when he shot that, it surprised me. Well, and uh, they set it up the the previous or one of the previous games, but he was out of bounds when he shot it. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember yeah. shooting one or two after a foul call or something. So yeah, I didn't know if he was just kind of heaving it because who cares? But yeah, he he did set up in the same spot on another play. Um, I have a question for you. Who's your pick for the Super? Bowl? Uh, I'm not the person to ask. Oh, I you're not a football very, guy. Very football. No, it's it's never been my thing. Oh, my okay. dad got me into basketball as a little kid, and that was always my sport. Yeah, well, I'm I grew up a Chiefs fan, uh, and then I kind of gave up a, on football, you know, seven eight years ago. But uh, my my grandpa's a huge Chiefs fan, so I got to I got to enjoy a win for him uh, last year, and. I'm I'm rooting for him again just because I kind of hate Tom Brady. So, and I to do some fundraising, I played some Super Bowl squares and I got seven and seven. So, 
I, I got a chance to make some money. So, well, then I'll definitely root for you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I got nothing to lose. And there you go. Um, yeah, and I guess my thing to pitch uh, would be uh, the Bell and Sebastian. If you're a Bell and Sebastian fan, the Bell and Sebastian live album that came out last summer. Let me uh, get the name here. Recorded in Boston, released last year. We'll, we'll hopefully what to look for in summer is a positive omen. But if you're a Bell and Sebastian or pa- fan of chamber pop or twee pop or Scottish pop in general, it's really good. So, well, and that's a pretty picture to look forward to. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you got anything to pitch? Okay, so the one thing I only watched the first two episodes so far, but I so far pretty much enjoyed the One Division show. Just came out on Disney. Now I have to catch up on the new episodes. Uh, yeah, see, I am not, I did not enjoy the old school sitcom, you know, tropes that they bugged me. And my kids were like, what is this? Why are we watching this? Why do I care about this? This is the kind of thing I would turn the channel on <laughs> when I was a kid <laughs> or not when I was a kid, when I'm flipping through channels is what, how my kids felt. So. I grew up as a little kid watching Nick at night, like with my mom and I'd have, we'd have like sleepovers in the living room watching it and stuff. So what so, would you watch on Nick at night? I don't know. Oh, uh, well, Dick, Dick Van Dyke would be the first one and he's okay. actually a consultant on the show. Um, I love Lucy. He was kind of annoying, but I sometimes like it bewitched, which is obviously a huge influence on the show and all kinds of those other shows, which from what I've heard as they progress through the, episodes they're going to kind of reference different eras of old sitcoms and I, know, I i just like the whole way that it sets up kind of the future and it gives that kind of ominous thing that's going to lead to dr strange and the multiverse of madness see i hate the thing where everything is a commercial for the next thing and and i realize that's the disney kind of business model but it, it also kind of drives me nuts i i prefer more self-contained arcs <laughs> See, and I've always been about more long form, and it's, uh, you know, I know you're an English major, but I, I always lean, and my major is creative writing English, and I always lean towards the novel uh, classes. I hated the short story and poetry things, so I always kind of like a story. I, that's I like short story. stories and poetry. I, I probably prefer short stories to novels, but uh, not that I hate novels. I just, I, I, I'm into, uh, I'm, I'm into, you know, sh- sh- more condensed art forms, I guess. I just always felt like shorter stories, uh, or short stories, well, not all short stories, but a lot of short stories are literary masturbation. <laughs> wow. Where it's like, let me show you how I can tell you this one thing for a few pages and make this crazy twist, and oh my god, you didn't see this coming. And Oh I've yeah, got- no, I mean, the, the, the trick ending or the is the worst conceit of the stor- short story. Those are all terrible. Yeah, and that's just what really poisoned me on the genre. And I've definitely read short stories that I enjoy. And there's collections of uh, short stories that I really enjoy, like uh, Jesus' Son. Uh, but so much of it is just, let me show off how I can do something clever. And that just bugs me. So I, I've always enjoyed kind of a more long, drawn-out sort of story that actually kind of just keeps going that's what i've liked about marvel and no and and don't get me wrong i was a big in you know infinity war fan and i thought they really did something interesting 
it a little bit to me feels like I don't know what I don't know if I really care what they're setting up here. I think also though part of that, although I don't know particularly what's inside your head, but I think part of that might have also been soured by a year of nothing coming out. Maybe where you kind of had you had Endgame. This is gigantic finale and the little coda of Spider-Man. And then it's kind of like nothing for a while. And then, you know, Black Widow was supposed to come out. Right. But also kind of a coda, too. So. Right. But then all these other shows are supposed to come out. But instead, there's been, you know, a really long time where you haven't had anything. And sometimes that sometimes that increases people's interest. Sometimes it diminishes it. But now. Again, from just the way I grew up and the way I enjoy storytelling, I thought WandaVision was a good start. I, I, I certainly appreciated the aesthetic of it and that they weren't just trying to do the same old thing that every other comic book show has done. It just didn't really speak to me that much. But I, I didn't – it certainly wasn't poorly executed. Let's put it that way. It just wasn't my taste. I and, and I will, I have actually gotten farther in the show than you, and it definitely, to me, picks up after the first two episodes. So um, I'm interested to see where it goes, for sure. But part of that for me is I'm I'm kind of a sci-fi fan, too, and it, it's got a sci-fi feel to it as it picks up. Wait, and I've always, I've always been a sci-fi and fantasy nerd, and, you know, that's... <laughs> from playing D&D since I was 8 years old and somehow I was I was running the game to for people like 4 or 5 years older than me. So <laughs> I was always about telling really long stories. So, so. are you a uh, Stranger Things fan? Uh that's that's a weird one where I really loved the first season and I just never got around to watching any of the rest of it yet. Oh okay. So I will say the first season's fantastic. I actually thought the second season was a real letdown, and then the third season's great. So, so it's worth powering through it. It is. I really hope that the uh, pandemic doesn't ruin the show as these kids get older. Yet they can't film yeah, the get show older too fast. Yeah. So I know I did watch one or two episodes of the second season and I had the same kind of feel where it was just kind of plunking along. Yeah. Uh, And I actually thought uh, the production values and the effects were not that great, but the third season like is a total return to form. It it, it was really, well, it's definitely something off to check out then. Yeah. And I think that's all we got. So uh, enjoy Milwaukee tomorrow and, or Saturday night. And as always go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Lost your home. And we're out. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.